Welcome into Shat Talk, the People's Sports Talk Podcast, with your host, Bradley Shatra. And we are back with the Shat Talk NFL podcast. And today is going to be a special episode. I have the co-hosts of the TJ and B podcast, Ben Catino and Tim Duffy, coming in to talk some football. We'll talk both of the East, the NFC East, the AFC East, touch a little bit on some other stuff with some Browns in there, some Urban Meyer talk. But for the most part, it sticks with the NFC and the AFC East. And, you know, week one was an interesting week. We saw a lot of different things, some unexpected, some expected. So I'll touch on all that with these guys. And without further ado, let's just get right into it. All righty. So I got the hosts of the TJ and B podcast, TJ Duffy and Ben Catino. And I mean, let's get right to it. We'll talk about last night's game versus the New York Giants and the Washington football team. I mean, it was a brutal loss for the Giants. There's no way around it because they had that game multiple times. It seems like they had the game kind of pretty much won in a sense and then it was it was kind of just consistently just giving up leads and then their offensive line really wasn't great again four sacks on Daniel Jones he personally I thought Daniel Jones was pretty good I mean he started off a little shaky but I thought over the course of the game he really played well but I mean you got to think like when do the Giants take the next step here because it seems like year after year it's the same old story yeah, same old story. They have, they, I just saw the stat today this morning. You know, the last five seasons, the Giants have started 0-2 in every single season. It's brutal. They have not had a single day with the winning record since, you know, January 2017. The last thing they made the playoffs, which is crazy. But, you know, this Giants team, look at the same old Giants. They're losing games they should win. Lose games that, that they should win, but that they could win. And we saw it last night. It reminded me a whole lot of that um, – Giants-Eagles Thursday night game last year where Evan Ingram drops a pass. We saw it last night with Darius Slayton dropping yep. what would have probably won them the game. It's true. Ben? Yeah, I mean, what you were saying about Daniel Jones, definitely... Hold on, Tim. Tim, you, you cut out and came back in, but it's all good. We'll get we'll get back to you. What, you, what were you going to say, Ben? Yeah, I mean, what you were saying about Daniel Jones, I definitely agree with. I thought he was very impressive last night, and that game definitely wasn't on him. And a a glaring issue with this Giants team is obviously that offensive line. I mean, even when you look in the backfield with Saquon Barkley, every time he got got a rushing attempt, he was getting nowhere. Um, I remember he had that 30-plus yard run, and then – he got four more attempts, and after those attempts, he was actually below what that rush was for rushing yards. So wow. that just goes to show you how bad this offensive line really is. And it doesn't help that one of their starters had a brutal leg injury last night. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be an issue going forward for this team. But, I mean, if you look at the positives, they, they should have won this game. Like yeah. you were talking about earlier, I guess. the slate and drop. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the offsides on that last field goal, they would have won if that if they didn't stand up offside. So they really just beat themselves last night. Yeah, and I think it's worrisome for Saquon too because they're trying to ease him into things and they're not necessarily giving him his full workload. But then when he gets into the game, it's not like he has space to work with and a good offensive line that's going to give him some time to, to maybe break off a few good runs. And it's, it's very apparent that it's not necessarily – I mean – 
he's not at his best, but that offensive line isn't either. I mean, like you said, it seemed like he was going nowhere more often than not. And that's a big issue because that's how they're going to be able to move the ball. That's how they're going to be able to set up the pass for Daniel Jones. And without an offensive line, it's just going to be the same old story like it was last night. And I'm starting to think that the Giants are probably going to have another season where they're picking in the lottery or somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean, this Giants seem to look like the worst team in the NFC East right now. Yeah, after the three games that we saw from the other teams, yeah, Washington obviously won one now. And the Cowboys looking good last week, and the Eagles looking really good last week too. But uh, this Giants team heading the season, um, I thought they'd be a, a sleepy team, a sleeper team, because they have a pretty good roster, you know. Down on their offense and defense, they have really good receiving core. They have good backs. Um, shitty old line, as we know. But, you know, they have a lot of time. Yo, what's up? I don't even have my glasses on. I don't know who that is. But, <laughs> oh, hey. Oh, hey. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, there's just a lot to work with on this Giants team. You know, they, they do have the personnel, but you know, at the end of the day, if you're making some mistakes like that, you know, going offsides on a game when you field goal, you know, how many times did we see that ever? Yeah. Rarely? That's the one time you can't go off sides or, or, you know, risk any type of penalty in that situation. And to make matters worse, you know, Dustin Hopkins literally missed the first kick, like, pretty bad, too. Yeah, he did. You know? Yeah. And that's a game that the Giants should have won. You know, we said it time and time again. But, you know, if they can just capitalize on these mistakes and just learn from them, and, you know, they, need, they, they should be good because, you know, they could have – Gotten that pick with two and a half minutes left and milked the entire clock down to zero. Yeah. But they wanted to throw the ball on 37 and stop the clock before the two minute warning. You know, it's, it's bad play calling. It's not good offense execution. You know, we saw Daniel Jones get sacked, I think, four times last night. Um, yeah, they just didn't look good on offense. Their offense is tough to watch. Um, and the times they did look good, they just had mistakes that bit them in the ass, like the Darius State drop. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with you. I think you make an interesting point, too, about them kind of being the worst team in the NFC East because, for one, that's saying a lot after last season. And number two, I mean, I think a lot of people consider that was going to be the Eagles coming into this this year. And week one, the Eagles, they looked pretty good. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Falcons are nothing to write home about, but I thought the Eagles moved the ball well. Jalen Hurts looked pretty good. Devonta Smith looked good. He had a touchdown. So I kind of got to agree with you. Right now, it's looking like they are the worst team in this division. Now, so with that being said, who do you think the best team in the division is? Um, listen, I mean, I think I think Dallas will take the division. I know you might like to hear that chat talk. You know, um, I think Dallas will take the division. I think the best team in the division. I think they're going to outscore every other team in this division when they play them. Um, but I wouldn't sleep on Philly or Washington either because Philly looked really good in week one. But at the end of the day, when you have a division as bad as the NFC East historically is, I like to tend to think, you know, the team with the best quarterback is going to take it. And that's Dak Prescott. And the that's a fair point. And they gave the defending champs a fight last week. So I think that I think that is looking like, in my opinion, you know, the uh, the, the front runner for the NFCs. Ben. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Dallas as well, but I think it's going to be pretty close between Dallas and Philly. I mean, I know you say Washington could be a sleeper team, but if we really look at last night's game. Yeah, they, they got a bunch of pressure, they got a bunch of sacks, but they still let up 29 points, and they still should have lost that game. So The New York I Giants, think, too. Yeah. I, think, I think the football team and the Giants are kind of in the same spectrum in that 3-4 to four range, but I was very impressed with Philly last week. Obviously, they absolutely dismantled the Atlanta Falcons, 
And then the Cowboys really impressed me because it really looks like Dak is 100% back. It does. And those receivers are absolute monsters. And this game versus the Chargers this weekend, it's going to be a very big game because Washington had just previously lost to watch, um, to L.A. last week. So if, if the Cowboys can go in there and they can get a win, that they, they're almost one up on the on the football team in that in that stance that they can beat the Chargers, but the football team can't. So I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys as of right now. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement on that. I mean, obviously, offense, it's just they definitely have the best offense out of the four teams. Uh, it comes down to defense with me. That's really my worry with the Cowboys. Is 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 the secondary going to be able to hold up all year? I actually thought the defense was kind of what I expected it to be the first half, maybe even the third quarter too. But in that fourth quarter of the Bucks game, I thought they kind of bend didn't break. I thought they were okay. They, I mean, they they kind of held their own. So that was kind of encouraging to see. But overall, I mean, you saw Anthony Brown get absolutely beat by Antonio Brown on that you know nice throw by Brady, but also just a great route. And and I mean, he was Antonio Brown was nowhere to be found he was gone he was he had multiple steps on Anthony Brown we saw that happen multiple times throughout the game Trayvon Diggs was definitely a plus I mean he was great all night no matter who he was guarding but I I definitely agree with you guys I think it's the Cowboys division to lose especially with the health of the other teams like Washington football team they can be a lot better with Fitzpatrick in my opinion because they do have it it's hard to say this after last night they do have a decent defense they have some good names but like you're saying Ben I definitely thought they kind of underachieved from a defensive standpoint last night. I mean, I, it was night and day from what we saw last year. So that's definitely worrisome for Washington. But I'd have to agree with you guys. I mean, off of week one, Philly looks like a team that could kind of be a lot better than last year. I mean, last year was up and down for them all year. And it, it all it rides on Jalen Hurts. Can he be a consistent option for them? And, and you know what you're going to get because we've only really seen a limited amount with him on the field. So Philly's definitely going to be interesting. I'm curious to see what they look like week two, week three, but but I'm with you. I, I think it's the Cowboys' division to lose, especially since since Dak looked healthy. Now, I mean, that's pretty much it for the NFC East. We can move to the AFC East, and we can talk a little Mac Jones if you want. What were your thoughts on Mac Jones? One more thing about the NFC East. Okay. I just want to say Eagles over the Niners this weekend. That's the upset of the week. What a crazy pick. At, home. <laughs> at the link. Eagles at the link, man. I got I'm, I'm gonna have to take I'm gonna have to take Niners too. But hey, last I mean last week, what happened with Detroit was inexcusable with the Niners. It was, yeah, and the Eagles are better than the Lions. Yeah, no, I hear you. I think the Lions got a lot of garbage time, you know, you know points and stuff in there. But yeah. they did get that game to a point where it was within eight, so that would have been that game was nuts, unbelievable for that sure, game was nuts. for sure. And I do think. San Francisco has a little bit of a problem on their hands with this whole Jimmy G and Trey Lance thing because you can tell that Shanahan wants to play Trey Lance. That's his guy. That's who he wants in there. Yeah. But they can't not play Jimmy G when they're paying him all that money. So they're an interesting team to watch all season, how they approach that. Does it get ugly over there? Because, I mean, what, first play of the season, Jimmy G fumbles that uh, that what that hike, you know, and all of a sudden everybody's screaming the same thing. You know, it's the same old Jimmy G. What are we going to do with this guy? So I think – that's something to watch. Is San Francisco has a QB issue on their hands. Yeah, and you saw that in the first drive too, because they get in the red zone and you know, um, Shanahan lets Trey Lance throw his first touchdown pass in the opening drive. Yeah. So that's a good point. You know, if he wants to play Trey, that's his guy. Trey that's true. Area, baby. <laughs> ben. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely looks like they want to go to Trey Lance, but they're just they're giving Garoppolo like his last shot. Yep. And, and to me. It, almost feels like this offense is built for a mobile QB. So I think Trey Lance would 
probably make this team better, in my opinion. But Garoppolo has he has been a good quarterback when he started for the Niners. So I mean, you gotta play him. I think it's like I think it's like Jimmy G's mom and Shanahan's mom are best friends, but his actual best friend is Trey Lance. And he's forced to hang out with Jimmy G, and he's got to be nice to him and such, but he really wants to hang out with Trey Lance. I think that's what it looks like over there in San Francisco. I mean, I definitely think this is Jimmy G's last season there. Yeah, all that. 100%. Even if he's good, I I couldn't agree with you more. He's only got one more year in his deal, anyways. Does he really? Wow. Yeah, I think he signed five years back in like. It was right after 2017 CS. It's okay. The fourth year of his deal. I didn't realize he was um, in the final year. That I mean, that's big for San Francisco for sure. Because and that makes the Trey Lance pick make a whole lot more sense. Um, it's a huge plus too because you know they can save a ton of money. Also. Absolutely, absolutely. So moving to the AFC East, obviously Mac Jones had a decent week one. I uh, thought the Patriots looked pretty good. Their defense looked good out there. Uh, so do you, what? What are your expectations for this Patriots team after what you saw in week one versus Miami? I'm going to be honest, the, this this loss didn't really worry me necessarily because I thought Matt Jones looked great. I mean, and as I was saying to Tim last night, the thing that impressed me the most was when he was under pressure. He still stayed composed. He still got the ball off on time. He was still accurate. And the, the Patriots' offense just looked overall better, in my opinion, than it did basically at any point last year besides Week 2 versus Seattle. Um... And then we go to the defensive side of the ball, and I thought we played pretty good defense. I mean, if you're going to let up 17 points in a game, you're still in prime position to win the game, as we were. We were a Damian Harris fumble away from winning that game. Um, I liked what I saw out of Jalen Mills, honestly. There was a lot of questions about him playing outside corner. And he had that huge play in the end zone um, against Albert Wilson. Huge knockdown. I mean, I thought that was going to be a touchdown. Yeah, me too. Heck of a play, and I think going forward, we we, we need a statement win this weekend Definitely. in MetLife Stadium versus the Jets. We need, I think, we need to win by like at least ten. Okay. Because week three, we're playing the Saints, who who looked good. You saw what they just yeah, did. They looked real good. Yep. They made Aaron Rodgers almost look like the fool, which yeah. is crazy to say yep. coming off an MVP season. So. I, I'm definitely not worried about the Patriots, and I'm I'm very impressed with Mac Jones so far. Tim, yeah, um, you know, me and Ben talked a lot about this game last night. Um, I wouldn't say I'm I wouldn't say I'm worried about the Pats at all after the game. I wouldn't say I'm not not worried either. Yeah, I'm sure there were some problems with the running back, someone on the ball, and also just red zone efficiency too. You know, having to sell for three field goals. Yeah, you know, deep inside Miami territory, just a lot of different things. It's kind of like the red. The excuse me. The New York Giants lost last night. I must have bet the football teams. I feel like they actually won. But it's like the Giants lost last night a little bit because, you know, a lot of chances for the Pats to win. These other Pats, you know, you know I was telling Todd Lutz with Ben last night, actually. You know, that last drive when Damian, when Damian Harris fumbled the ball, the Pats got that pick with about eight minutes left. They milked the clock down to three minutes. Yeah. You know, and well, that's a risk to take if you're going to milk the clock that much. If you don't expect a turnover in the red zone like that. But um, I like the composure of the Pats offense. Sure, I like the game plan we had going into the game. You know, keep the ball in Max's hands. Let him think he's comfortable with. Um, he dropped back almost 40 times. He threw the ball 39 times in the game. I don't think he got sacked once the whole game. Let Ben sick way under pressure. So I'm not concerned about Mac Jones. I'm concerned about the Patriots. You know, being able to put you know a lot of points on the board, being able to outscore these higher scoring, you know, 
more efficient teams in offense. You know, we do have Tampa in a couple of weeks. We do have New Orleans uh, next week uh, after Sunday. So um, it's not going to all click in September, but, you know, definitely some things to look out for. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a lot of pros leaving the game. I thought there was a lot of things they can build off of. I mean, yeah, they I mean they came away with points, but they didn't necessarily convert in the red zone. That's probably more of just kind of a, a rookie thing. Mack will figure that out, and he'll get that going at some point. I mean, but to be able to even drive down the field the way he was and at least come away with points, to me was something at least you, you needed to see as a Patriots fan, and, and he was at least able to do that. Uh, now, when you talk about, like, the Patriots as a whole – I think it's going to be a lot of let the defense do a lot of the hard work, milk the clock like you said when you came down from eight minutes all the way to three. I think that's how they're going to beat teams in which they know are going to score a lot of points, and that's how they're going to approach it because it did seem like they're kind of reverting back into more of a simpler game plan. Run the ball a lot, set up kind of easy conversions on either second or third down, and that's how they move the chains. And I think Damian Harris is the perfect back to do that because he loves, you know, yak yards after contact. I mean, he can, he can really make it happen. Physical back. Yeah, absolutely. So I think they have a lot of good things to build off of. And like Ben said, I think what they do against the Jets this week, because the Jets really, they're, they're not good. Let's just be honest. That'll be very telling to see, did they build off of week one and are they going to, you know, continue to get better throughout the year? Yeah. Ben? I mean, we're going to – we're going to take into account, too, that Miami probably has one of the best secondaries in the they league do. when you look at Xavier Harrod and Byron Jones. And Mac Jones was still able to complete 74% of his patches, passes, which is the highest completion percentage for any rookie in their debut ever. So yep. I, that, that's just another Third. impressive thing to go off of from Mac Jones. Definitely. Drop back 40 times, too. Think about that. Yep. You know, I was telling Ben this last night, you know, Belichick just trusts Mac in this offense it's way more than he ever trusted Cam Hardy throughout the first two games of the season. Uh, you know, we saw Mac Jones 39 times. We only saw Cam Newton do that all of last season. And um, a lot of those passes, a lot of these passes that Mac was were making, Cam would not even. We saw that third and 11 float down the right sideline for James White. Which that was beautiful. Throw. Uh, we saw you know, a lot of good you know, short stuff from Mac Jones. And well, those, a lot of those passes were throws that Cam was thrown in the dirt, you know, last year. Remember, but for the season, I still think we go, you know, hopefully go at least 10 and 7, 11 and 6. But uh, it all starts this weekend with a saving win in New York, as, uh, as Benny was saying. Yeah, definitely. You, you got to beat teams that you're at least supposed to beat, in a sense. And, you know, one thing that was kind of surprising about the game, and they did use the tight ends, but I expected a little bit more usage of the tight ends. And I didn't I didn't think it was, like, overwhelmingly heavy. Yeah. I, I thought they used them, but it, it wasn't necessarily something they unleashed. So that's I'm, – I'm curious to see when it's going to be a day where you see, you know, really heavy usage of Hunter Henry, Jono Smith. And then I didn't even think they used Kendrick Bourne that much. It was, it was it was interesting to see the way they spread the ball around. And I kind of expect Bourne to really fit well into that offense. So I think there's a lot of factors that could, you know, make this offense better and make the passing game a lot better that they didn't necessarily use in week one. So there's a ton to build off of. And like you said, I mean, it's going to be telling with the Jets, but I think they can be a playoff team if they continue to at least, you know, build off of what they did in week one. Ben? Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, sure. Especially, you know, going to New York. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the, next Miami game, the next Miami game is going to be huge because we're going to need to split with them. 
the Bills are going to be a tough play two times. You know, we might even get swept by them. And then we're going to need to sweep the Jets. So in-division play is going to be huge this year. And then we have a couple other huge games too, like Dallas, which is going to be a must-win. We got Cleveland, which is going to be tough. But if we can win that game, it, it'll definitely show that we're definitely going to – we could be a playoff team this year. I really do believe that. What did you make of the Bills game against Pittsburgh? I was, I was very offense. surprised. It was yeah, terrible was offense. Bills. I mean, yeah, a lot of people are saying, that. like, same old Josh Allen, like, like last year was just kind of like a fluke, you know? I mean, yeah. I don't believe that. No, I don't. I believe that the Steelers are just a good September team. They always start the year off well. Mike Tomlin's just a fantastic coach and always has his team prepared and – you know, the spread was like six and a half, which I thought was kind of crazy, too. I thought this was going to be at least a close game, but I am pretty surprised that the Steelers won. Me, that, too. I mean, that also kind of helps the Patriots that the Bills lost week one yep. as well. So, surprising game, but I think the Bills will get back on track this weekend in Miami. But that'll also be an interesting game, individual Very. game again for Miami. So. Definitely. It definitely made the, uh, the Pats loss a lot tougher to swallow though you know getting that early division jump over a team like buffalo team that you know people are saying could win 12 or 13 games this season it did hurt a little bit to see the pass lose after that but it was really nice seeing the bills lose because maybe they're not as good as we thought they were because they did they get better in the offseason not really you know i mean they brought in emmanuel sanders defense they figured it out who they brought in emmanuel sanders to add to their offense not terrible ad Emmanuel Sanders as well, like, he's like, what, 34? I don't know. Is he that old? Is he that old? I'm lagging a little Let's bit. Let's look it up. I, I think that's an exaggeration, Tim. We're going to look Something it up. Something like that. He's so... Yeah, he's definitely look pretty Look it up. Old. I think he's 33, 34. He's 34. He's 34 right 34, on the money. But either way, I mean, he's still a good player. right on the money, baby. Yeah, no, you were right on the money. That was a guess, too. He's, yeah, this is like his fourth team because he was on what Steelers. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's wide receiver three for them. So I mean, it's like it's a pretty good wide receiver. Yeah. New Orleans, Denver, Pittsburgh. Um, this team now, the Bills, and he's on some other team too, but I don't remember what it was. I feel like he was on one more. Denver Saints. Saints, yeah. He's he on put, New Orleans. Yeah, he's on my team like last year too. He played ago, in Denver though. I think. Yeah. With yeah. And, and yeah, so I mean, you look at the you look at the rest of the AFC East though, and like, did you guys think Miami was impressive? How did you feel about that game coming away from it as a Patriots fan? I mean, I just feel like that's the game that the Patriots outplayed Miami and still lost. You know, you look at the total yards; it was like almost four hundred for the Patriots, so less than two sixty for Miami. Um, and Dolphins offense after after they scored a touchdown in the third quarter, yeah, they didn't score the rest of the game, but they really weren't that impressive. Uh, Tua looked okay at best. He went sixteen of twenty-seven, a touchdown, a pick, solid numbers. But I don't want any of these Dolphins fans thinking that you know Tua outplayed Mac this game because he didn't. What <laughs> was that? He didn't outplay. Him. Tim, that is he's adamant I'm about it. I'm just defending my boy Mac. I mean Tua, listen, Tua I. Tua's the type of guy, he's, he's tough to get sold on. And I don't know if you guys read any of these things the last couple of weeks, but he's not even one of the Dolphins' team captains. Really? You know, Mac, Mac Hollins, the fourth string receiver, is the offensive captain. Wow. And not Tua. Yeah. 
I didn't know yeah. that. And that, that is telling. What does what that say about Tua, man? Yeah. And this kind of goes off topic, but, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, what I'm saying is, you know, this whole Deshaun Watson trade going to Miami, uh, I, I think it just adds more stuff that that's the most likely possibility if he does play football again, Deshaun Watson. I think Tua's on the hot seat already after a year and a half as quarterback. I wouldn't say hot seat, but. I mean, I didn't know, think he looked. Still, he, he didn't look that was, bad. He looked that bad, yeah. But he looks. He looks like. You know, like he looks okay. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, he he, he, he didn't blow you away. I got it. He didn't blow me away, you know, at all. Yeah. He hasn't yet since he's been in the NFL, quite frankly. Okay. All right. How about you, Ben? Mac Jones did. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going off that, I just kind of feel like. I kind of feel like the Dolphins aren't really sold on Tua either. Yeah, me neither. I mean, yeah. As, we were, as we were just saying, there was rumors about this Deshaun Watson trade. Yep. It's kind of like, why would you even want him if yeah. you have a young young QB? And three years ago, the trend was tank for Tua. And, and tank for Tua. And you and have to think. here we are. It's like, yeah, do I, they even want him? It's crazy. Exactly. And you have to think, like, Deshaun Watson is a headache. That's a headache if you bring him into town. There's a whole lot coming with him, a whole lot of baggage. That's all the media is going to talk about. So to even consider yeah. that and have that become a report is something that shows you they are definitely not necessarily sold on Tua. But, I mean, I think that he could kind of turn around. He's 1-0 here, and he didn't look terrible. He he starts this season 3-1 and one or so. I think Deshaun Watson idea, that goes out the window, and they're just going to roll with him. But – like I said, I mean, to yeah. even consider bringing Deshaun Watson in, because yes, he's a special talent. He would definitely, you know, take that offense to the next level. But the headache that comes with him, I'm just not sure it's even worth it. That's the thing with Tua, man. He's, he wins games. He can make some big plays when it matters. But, I don't know. It's a little bit of, yeah. it's a little bit of love hate with him right now. But For sure. I got to have to uh, have some class. All right. Us. All right. Sounds good. You're a scholar. Appreciate you having me on, Chad. Hey, no worries. I, I had fun. Yeah, I had fun. fun in class, Tim. Yep. I won't. I won't. <laughs> I'll be looking up some football stuff in the back of the room, maybe. Love it. Love it. All right. Have a good one. I'll see you guys in Screw Tua, man. Sounds Please. good. <laughs> screw Tua. The Mac Jones defender, Tim Duffy. He will be. Yeah, he'll wow. be back at he some point. Suspended. At some. Yeah, he was. He was adamant. He was. He was. Today was his job coming on this. It seemed like he was going to defend Mac Jones. That was. He was adamant yeah, about like, it. He came he into this with a plan. He came at the Miami fans <laughs> just just for the heck of it. I, I, that was just you know something that he felt in his bones. He needed to say, I guess. Now, the, yeah. what's interesting about Tua in Miami is like they have good options. You talk about Mike Gesicki, the tight end position. You look at their wide receivers. I mean, they have guys that can make plays. So there's no excuse for Tua. I mean, I don't necessarily know how great their offensive line is. I mean, that that could be an issue. But at the same time, he has weapons all over the field. They have good running backs. Like Tua has no excuse. He has to play well this year, or else, I mean, like we're saying, he could be in a situation where kind of his team's looking to draft a QB. I mean, you never know. It, it, it is true because they've built a team around him. They've done a good job in Miami of finally building a team around their quarterback. Now it's just a matter of can the quarterback get it done. Yeah, I think, and I think that's kind of why they're being tempted towards Deshaun Watson because it's like all right, now we finally have the offense. And if we get that super, that guaranteed superstar QB, yeah. maybe that's what can put us into Super Bowl contention. But 
I mean, let's be real. The only thing really holding this back is the headache that Sean Watson brings. Absolutely. Like, it, it would – I don't really know how fans would react to the Dolphins organization if they do bring in Deshaun Watson. Like, yeah. It's a very touchy subject with a lot of people right now, and it's honestly very confusing because th- this is a guy that literally led the league in passing yards last year. Yeah. And you figure it's like the, the one thing you have to do is just keep yourself out of trouble, and you couldn't do it. And it's like, is that a guy you really want to bring into your organization? I mean, it's 100% true, and the funny part about it is like, I mean, the Dolphins could really – be a contender with Deshaun Watson if you think about their their roster I mean all around defensively and offensively you bring him in and it could totally be what takes him to the next level but I mean like you're saying there's just too much unknown with Deshaun Watson right now you don't know what's going to happen in the future Uh, there's rumors that you know Houston wants a haul for him in the first place so I I just don't think it's a move that Miami should make for their future Uh, now just a little bit back to Buffalo it was kind of a battle of two teams between them and the Steelers that couldn't get anything going on offense. And the deciding play of the game was a blocked punt. So it's not like either team looked particularly great. It's just the gritty plays ended up coming out with uh, Pittsburgh in the right moments. But it's worrisome for Buffalo because last year their offense really did free flow so well. And that was kind of the story was Josh Allen was so amazing. And, and they were able to push the ball down the field. And the Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs connection was amazing. So that's worrisome. I mean, the Bills have to have a good offensive game in week two, kind of to be a little bit of reassurance, or else you do kind of have the doubt creep in is, is this going to be the same team as last year, or are they going to kind of take a step back? Yeah, because I mean, as, as I was saying earlier, this Miami secondary, it's not like they're going into an easy defense now, going off the Steelers, no. the great defense as well. You're going into Miami, you're facing one of the best secondaries in the league now, so if they put up another barn burn or, or another bad performance, you know, it, it's really going to bring up a lot of questions in Buffalo. Like, true. It, I don't know. They feel like a team that, I don't know, like I wouldn't say last year's a fluke, but maybe last year was their opportunity. And this year it, they, they might not be close to contention status. I mean, who knows? It, it, you don't know. Yeah. Defense. Their defense really isn't the best either. They're, no. They're going to let up points in games. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, uh, Jamal always says, Ben, don't break. That's kind of the Bills. But it, it, that was the story against Pittsburgh. I mean, they did do that. They, they didn't necessarily let up uh, a ton of touchdowns. And I thought a big story in that game was Ben Roethlisberger. He did not look good. He really didn't. And that's going to be something to watch this whole season because he was, he was really good to start last year. I mean, really played well. But, man, he did not look good week one. So, if he's not going to be good, it's going to be a, a long, like, I don't know how to how to word it. It's going to be like a, a rigorous season for Pittsburgh in a sense because they're going to have to grind out games every week if that's the case. And they can do that. I mean, they've proved that. I mean, Mason Rudolph, uh, there was another guy that started for them during that season. I can't remember his name right Doc now. Hodges. Doc Hodges. Yeah, Doc Hodges. Yeah. And it's like, but they, they, they went eight and eight. I mean, they, they were able to make it through that year because of their defense playing so well. And their defense looked great against ball, uh, Buffalo. So I think they're, they're in, a, in a weird spot. I mean, they need Roethlisberger to be somewhat good for them to actually be like a threat and, and make the playoffs. But it's it, it didn't look that way. It didn't look that way. Now, I do want to move to the Browns because they were the most impressive team in week one, in my opinion, just because of the way they were able to hang with the Chiefs. I know that Baker had an untimely interception. I do think he was he was probably trying to throw that ball out of bounds, but I'm not sure. 
Uh, either way, he he fell down. It was on him. It was a bad turnover. But at the end of the day, I thought it was a statement from the Browns. I thought they looked good, and they hung with Kansas City. They gave them a true run for their money. It's just obviously late-game execution for Kansas City is just – I don't know how you beat that, but it's incredible. But the Browns, what do you think of them? Do you have big expectations like I do, or are you kind of not on the same page? No, I, I definitely do because a lot of people going into the season were saying the Browns are contenders. It was like half and half. People were saying the Browns are contenders. People are like, no, it's going to be the same old Browns. Yeah. But, I mean, man, they really showed it. This game, it, that game had like a playoff feel to it. It did. Almost. It and, did. And they they definitely put up a great performance. Um, the defense is it's looking better. I mean, playing Kansas City just may, must be one of the most demoralizing really. games ever. I mean. To be up on to be up on them, it's almost like being down. It's but. true. Well, the Browns took a ten point lead with like I can't remember, probably like seven minutes left or so. I don't know if it was that if it was that uh, late in the game, but it, it was in the fourth quarter. They took a ten point lead, and it seemed like wow, momentum really shifts. This might be it. And then right away, right away, that Tyreek uh, Tyreek Hill play happened, and all of a sudden, boom, they were right back in it. And you started to sit there as as a fan or whatever you want to watch, a spectator, and it was like. I think they might win this game now. You know, it's it's yeah. the snap of a finger with them. And it all started, if you think about it, a couple of years ago in that playoff game against the Texans. I truly think that allowed Kansas City as a whole team to legitimately think we're never out of a game. Like, no matter what the score is, we can come back. And we've seen it time and time again ever since that happened. And it's almost part of their identity in a sense. Is like, when they're about to lose a game they shouldn't lose, they make it happen. Except for the Raiders. For some reason, the Raiders have their number. I don't know why. Seriously, it's cr- the the Kansas City offense is just ridiculous because it's just like any play can just be a one play touchdown. Yep. And you know, there's the, that meme out there, run the touchdown play. Yeah. I mean, literally, all it takes is to just get the ball in Tyreek Hill's hands, and he can score. Yeah. I mean, even if it's on like a screen, like it, it literally doesn't matter. You have Travis Kelsey, who's one of the best tight ends in the league. It, I don't know, man. It's going to be tough for someone to beat the Chiefs, but, I mean, the Browns have been this close twice now within the last year in that playoff game and now about last week. So I definitely think the Browns are a team that they're definitely going to be a contender this year, and they're definitely going to be a team that could beat Kansas City. And I I think it's – I think they're definitely going to meet up again in the playoffs. Yeah, no, and I will say, I love the addition of Jadavian Clowney to the Browns, specifically for the Kansas City matchup. Bring some pressure, kind of, at least, I mean, the offensive line looked good for Kansas City. They really did. I mean, those upgrades, they did their job. I mean, Holmes was really never running for his life at all, and, and he looked comfortable, obviously. But I do think that's going to help them in a playoff game. Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, bring some pressure kind of force Mahomes to to play make outside of the pocket, which he does so well. So I, I don't really necessarily know if that's an advantage, but it's obviously, it's going to help them and, and it, it's going to give their defense a chance. And this is all without Odo Beckham Jr. So I know there's probably some people out there that would say maybe that makes it worse, you know, because we've seen Baker Mayfield kind of try and force feed him the ball at times. But I think that's all out the window now. I think that since they've had so much success without Odell, I think now adding him back in really is the icing on the cake. And and that whole force-feeding thing is out the window. May- Baker Mayfield probably learned from that. You know, he was a young QB that just he wanted to get his best receiver the ball, which is a normal thing for a young quarterback. But I think adding Odo Beckham Jr. into this is the ingredient that really could allow them to truly compete with Kansas City if they see them in the playoffs down the line. And I expect them to. I expect Cleveland to make their way at some point and see Kansas City again. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be very interesting when OBJ comes back in because mostly the Browns' offense is Chubb and Hunt in the backfield. I mean, the run game is just absolutely ridiculous. But when you add OBJ now, OBJ, Jarvis Landry, Rashad Higgins has some good games here and there. Yeah. I mean, this this offense is going to be extremely dangerous. They can attack you at basically any angle they want, and – I'm definitely very excited to see what OBJ can do because he, he's a I'm, – I'm a big fan of him. I hope yeah. he has a big bounce-back season, and this narrative of Baker force-feeding him is shut down because yeah. he, he needs that, you know? Yep, yep, for sure. You know, side note here, Odo Beckham Jr., he's a game-time decision. They announced that he's out. I got him on my fancy team. I throw him on the bench. I'm thinking, what the heck am I going to do now because all the 1 o'clock guys have played. So I'm looking around. Started Donovan Peoples-Jones, one reception, four yards. Brutal. Just brutal. Just truly brutal. <laughs> and I'll tell you about the bad beat of the century real quick. I lost by .22, and it was because of that Baltimore interception in overtime when that touchdown no got called back, and Kyle ends up winning because of that. Now, <laughs> nobody cares about my fantasy so team. Tough. It's brutal. It's brutal. But we'll move on. Now, I mean, we talked about the NFC East, AFC East. Uh, we didn't touch on We had Buffalo, Miami, New England. Who's my fourth team we missed in the AFC East? Jets. Oh, the Jets, yeah. I mean, they're, <laughs> they didn't deserve any airtime. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it stinks, too, because I want to see Zach Wilson. I want to see what he like, what he can do and what he's made of, but it's like, they can't even move the ball again. It's it's the same old story. And now Makai Becton's out for a month or two. And it's, I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to be, once again, one of the worst teams in the league. I, I don't know how Jets fans do it. I mean, we talked about the Giants not having a winning record uh, since 2017 at any point in the season. That's brutal as well. New York football is just having a tough time right now. And, and they can't build anything. They're looking rough, but what one positive I do got to say for the Jets is Corey Davis looks pretty good. Their wide receiving core like, is good. Yeah, and they, they have some pieces that they can build off of for this next couple of years. I do like their D-line, too. It's it's also banged up. I, I yep. believe Shaq Lawson is out for a good period of time. Yep. But they do have pieces. They're, they're just not going to be a good team no, this year. It's which kind of sucks to say because I'm in the same boat as you. I actually do want to see Zach Wilson succeed. I think he's going to be a good quarterback, but I don't think we're going to see that until next year, two years later, you know? Strangely enough, I want to see Robert Salah succeed too just because he was an animal with the Niners on the sidelines. Dude, Very he used intense. to go crazy during the defense. and I, I like that. I, I like the passion. I, I think it fires the guys up for sure. But, yeah, I mean, NFC East, AFC East. So, Let's put it this way. Who impressed you the most in week one? Who let you down the most in week one? Like the whole NFL? Yeah, across the landscape. Who impressed me the most was definitely the Eagles, honestly. Okay, yeah, that, that's a good pick. Very, I, very impressed. Yep. Um, not only offensively, but defensively. To only let up, what was it, six points? Yeah. To the Falcons, who have Kyle Pitts, and they're Calvin Ridley. Usually Mike a great passing Falcons. offense. Usually always in shootouts. I even bet the over on that game because I was like, there's going to be a ton of support. Very, yeah. I was very impressed with the Eagles. Um, it's good. As we were talking about before, it's going to be interesting to see what they do against the Niners. But going get, going with who, uh, who I was least impressed with, Packers. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Right? 
That's a good one. <laughs> the Packers. The were, Packers were brutal. They were. I mean, what even was that? Like, I was talking. I said this last night too. I was talking to my dad about that game, and he was like, "Does Aaron Rodgers really even care?" And Dude, I was kind of like, "I was watching red zone, and like, you never saw the Packers." with the ball in the red zone. Like, it was like, it, they were never there, pretty much. It, it was pretty wild to watch. And the interceptions Rodgers threw were pretty bad. They really were. I mean, there was. it's not like, there's like, there's certain interceptions in the NFL where you're like, ah, that's not really on the quarterback, you know, in a sense. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he, he made two pretty brutal throws for those interceptions. And it makes you wonder, like, did the offseason have an effect on this team? Is it going to have an effect on this team? The whole, they didn't know if Aaron Rodgers was going to be their quarterback. They didn't know if they were going to be running the same offense they usually do with Rodgers because they didn't know if he would be back. I mean, all this starts to creep into your mind. I, I expect a response in week two. I really do, just because Rodgers didn't even seem concerned. They were, I mean, him and Devontae Adams and Valdez Scantling were standing there at the end of the game almost laughing, like like not really that, that worried because it is week one. You got to think about the grand scheme of things. You know, what we do is, it makes you kind of overreact to a week one like that. But uh, the Packers have a ton of time and the way in which Rodgers reacted kind of didn't make me that worried. Cause if he was sitting on the bench with his head down, I would have been like, Oh man, with this, this is a problem, but I don't know. And they have like a, a gimme game. I'm pretty sure the Packers don't play. They don't play anybody good this week. So it's kind of going to be an easy one for them. Just like the Browns, the Browns play the Texans, which what the heck is going on in Jacksonville? I mean, they, that was brutal. It really was. Trevor Lawrence, three interceptions. They they didn't look like they were, I don't know how to describe it, like prepared in a sense, I guess I should say. I mean, they really, truly did not look like the best team on the field. They looked like the worst team on the field. And we're talking about the Houston Texans, who coming into the season, a lot of people expected to be one of the bottom five teams in this league. And the Urban Meyer kind of experiment here is off to a horrible start. Yeah, I... I'm very nervous for Urban Meyer. I, I'm just starting to question if his coaching style translates to the NFL. And that's not even like the plays they run and stuff. It's like, honestly, like a motivation factor. I feel like in college, a lot of the players, like, in a sense, listen to their coaches more. Oh, all, all day. And, and Urban Meyer's a very, like, stern guy. He always has very high expectations. And it's kind of like, I don't, I, I'm just questioning how these players are responding to Urban Meyer in the locker room, honestly, because that, that was an absolutely awful performance week one, it as was. you were just saying, to a Houston Texans team that is projected like with the Lions to be like the worst teams yeah. in the league. It's like, you, you, you can't put up a performance like that. Mm. Now you're playing the Broncos, who are... Looks yeah, good. They look good week one, but they're, they're in no way like a contender no. or anything. And they're six-point underdogs. It's kind of like... The, the, the Jags need to turn this around. They need to turn this around faster. Urban Myers might start questioning himself whether he should take this USC job, which I know you're very adamant about him taking, or staying in the NFL. Honestly. I'm going to say it right now. I think Urban Meyer made a huge mistake. I, I do. That, that's how I feel. I, I think he made a huge mistake. I don't think Jacksonville is going to be that good. Uh, and, and there's really no excuse when you get a guy like Trevor Lawrence that most people consider to be the most can't-miss prospect since Andrew Luck. I mean, from what he did in college, even in high school, he was impressive. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was was the gold standard in this draft, and the Jaguars took him, and they looked brutal. I mean, I thought he looked he looked okay. I mean, the interceptions were obviously worrisome. He made some good throws, though. We still have to keep in mind that was his first NFL game, so that's obviously something to keep in mind. But overall, I thought Jacksonville didn't look good. 
and you wonder if they can't beat the Texans because it's not like they just, you know, got edged out. I mean, they got beat by the Texans, and it makes you wonder, who can they beat if they can't beat the Texans? That brings you back to, are they going to be back in the lottery? Are they going to kind of run this back once again with Urban Meyer in a year or two? I mean, like you said, Urban Meyer should leave right now. I think he should go to USC. I really do. I think it's a match made in heaven. I think he goes back there. He's still the legend he was. It's just like Nick Saban. He goes back. He falls right back into the legend status that he is in college. Um, he's made a living off of bringing former dynasties or, or big name college programs back into the limelight, back into the college football playoffs. And to get the USC, get them back into that position would be something incredible to watch both for him and for the school. <clears throat> but overall, I don't think he's gonna, I think he's gonna stay in Jacksonville and ride this out, which obviously I think is a mistake, but I, I, I don't believe in Jacksonville. That's going to be my, my take for the rest of the season. I just, I, I think Urban Meyer made a huge mistake. It's it's I know we're only one weekend, so it's like we can't overreact too. But too it was much, the Texans, you know what I mean? Man. That's why I'm overreacting. Like who else yeah. can they beat if they can't beat Houston? You're giving Tyrod Taylor, who's been like a bridge quarterback for like four different teams in the last four years, you're giving him thirty plus points in week one. Yeah. And and your your top prospect QB is throwing three picks. It's yeah. Like, it was brutal. Just, it's not looking good. <laughs> it doesn't look good at all. It got off to one of the worst possible starts it could have because you saw Houston. I mean, at least I did. I saw Houston on the schedule and I said, oh, that's a perfect first game for them. You grab a win. You got a little 1-0. Trevor Lawrence looks pretty good. And that was the opposite of the case. And that's why I am so worried about them. I mean, the Texans, they'll just fall back and eventually start getting beat by good teams because, I mean, Jacksonville's just not a good team. But it was... It's worrisome. There's no way around it. I mean, I don't think Urban Meyer should be, be on the hot seat or anything, but I think he personally should be very upset that Clay Helton just got fired because last season, if that had happened, I think he would have ended up at USC. Yeah, and I mean, going back to the Jags, like, do you think they can even win four games? I don't. I mean, if you can't beat Houston, <laughs> I don't. I If you can't beat Houston, I don't see four other teams that you can beat. That's how I look at it. Yeah, like... It, it might not even be crazy to say that the Jags might have the number one pick again. They might. I mean, genuinely, they they might because, I mean, we just saw the Lions. They have no quit in them. Yep. Dan Campbell looks like he's doing a pretty good job over there. I mean, Which is surprising because he kind of seemed like in, iffy. Yeah, he, he put his team in a position to win even when they were down by so much. And then the Texans, obviously, it looks like they can put up points at least. Yep. So it's like. We could be looking at the Jags as potentially the worst team in the NFL this year. It's true. It is true. It's crazy. crazy. And as as bad as their defense is, I'm sure their offensive line's not good either. But you look, it's not like he has nobody to throw the ball to. DJ Chark, LaVisca Chanel. I don't know. Did Marvin Jones Jr., what happened to him? Is he hurt? Did he not play week one? Because I didn't see him out there. I, I actually don't know. Yeah. I, I know in the preseason, he was like Trevor Lawrence's like favorite receiver. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I, I mean, did watch. He, I watched some Jags, and he, he got a lot of receptions. Yeah, because I, I just – I didn't even see him out there. I mean, like I said, I, I watched the red I watched red zone, so it's kind of in and out. You don't necessarily see the plays that aren't in, in the red zone. So it was kind of – like, to me, I, I'm asking myself, where's Marvin Jones Jr.? But overall, I, I think that was the worry. But, I mean, that's pretty much all I wanted to touch on. I appreciate you coming on, and um, I'm sure you'll be back very soon. Oh, yeah. Let's get ready for week two, and uh, thanks for having me on, and have a great day. Hell yeah. Thanks. See ya.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. Always a good time having the TJ and B guys on. Tim Duffy came into this episode today armed and ready to defend his quarterback, Mac Jones. So that was very interesting. Ben Catino, always love having him on as well. He comes on a good amount. So I'm sure you'll be seeing him again. Sure, you'll also be seeing Tim again. But thanks for listening to the episode today, and I will see you guys next time. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in and spending some time with us. Make sure to stay posted for new episodes and content. This show was recorded at Rhythm Room Studios in North Smithfield, Rhode Island by Nick Cloutier. Cloutier Productions, LLC.